Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Charlie Fittler lives in the Northern Tablelands of New South Wales, not too far from the country music capital Tamworth, where he, where he first bust as a 13-year-old. He is now about to release his debut EP and the first single is Dying Breed, and I'm really happy to speak to him. Hi, Charlie. Yeah, no, hi, Sophie. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure because I think I first saw you playing, I was thinking it might be 2019, it could have been before that at the Tamworth Country Music Festival. You weren't busking at that stage. It was a gig, but I'm wondering how busking went that first time that you obviously liked it so much you kept coming back for more. Yeah, busking was awesome. Uh, I think the first year I did busking, I made it to the top 10 right. yeah, in the park. So that was awesome. That really kicked it off and gave me a bit more, bit more confidence. And um, after that, I would have done the academy. At, right. Uh, yeah, I would have done the junior academy. And then, um, yeah, I would have went on to start doing a few gigs around the town, a few pubs. That, so, that would have probably, so 29, yeah, I did the academy in 2018. So 2019, right. yeah, you're right. So um, so had you seen buskers before? Like had you been going to the festival when you were younger than that so you kind of knew the, the deal? Oh, yes and no. <laughs> um, went down when I was a kid. Uh, other than that, we, we didn't go too much and if we did, it would have probably been just day trip down, mm-hmm. had a bit of a geese around. Because your family works on the land and the reality of life on the land is you don't have a lot of time to go to festivals <laughs> at any time of year, I would imagine. Yeah, my word. Oh, you still still get a weekend off to go down. And um, they, these days um, when I've been going down the full 10 days, uh, it's been fine, you know. It's actually a bit of a holiday, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to go far. Yeah, Probably like an hour's right. drive or something. Yeah, yeah. only thing, it's it's hot. It's an hour's drive, but it's still five degrees hotter, so oh. uh, not my ideal place of a holiday. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Now, you did mention the Academy. Uh, so you went to that in 2018, the Junior Academy, which I always, it always blows my mind that there is a, even is a Junior Academy, that there are enough young artists to go, and it certainly seems to be a great thing for you to do. What did you take out of the Academy? Took a lot of friends, yeah. Um, Took, took a lot of mates. Uh, my guitarist that plays with me, I did the Academy of him and he still plays with me. Uh, a, a lot out of it, I got to meet a lot of people in the industry that uh, Simon Johnson, who recorded my first single down there at Hillbilly Hut. Uh, Hillbilly Hut, yeah, pretty sure that's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, Jane Denham. I uh, got, got to meet so many people and uh, just a bit bit more of an insight. Other than that, I was still a pup, still am. But... <laughs> um, yeah, just got to learn a lot more of what goes on behind the scenes and uh, d- just learned a lot uh, on stage, off stage too, yeah. Because it is professional development for teenagers, um, which, is. again, is a, is a wild concept really because there's also the Senior Academy. But my impression of you when I saw you playing that time was that you really loved entertaining uh, because there was just a, a really relaxed sense about you. I think that's why you know, I, I noticed because I just thought not only could you sing and play, but you just seemed to be having a great time. So did you like entertaining when you were a little kid? Were you the kid who was performing for parents when you were four sort of thing? Oh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, you take the guitar around um, to the fires or take the guitar to polo cross or something. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I did enjoy it. I did, uh, especially when you start doing it. Um, when I started singing in pubs and mm. people come there to watch you, it's a great feeling. Uh, still, every time we get up on stage, it's great to entertain people. And at what age did you start singing in pubs? Oh, uh, not the legal age. <laughs> well, that's true of a lot of artists I've spoken to who played in pubs. Like A lot of them start quite young and this, you know, mum or dad's there in the corner keeping an eye on them. Yeah, yeah. oh, I would have to be 15, 15, 14, yeah, around then. Yeah. But this all started, I believe, when you went to an open mic night when you were 11. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. that particular night, were you like, this is it, this is the night I'm going to give it a shot, or was it just a last-minute thing to perform? Oh, well, we heard about it, uh, that there was open mic down at the Grapevine and uh, went went down there and played a few songs. And I got to know the boys that were running the open mic night, and they, they, they were the ones that said, you got to get down to Tamworth, just... Right. Go down there, take a couple of days off, do some busking. So we registered for busking and after that, so pretty much open mic got it started. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just got a lot, pe- a lot of people telling me a bit, bit more direction, if anything, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you chose a classic song for that open mic night, which was Lights on the Hill, the Slim Dusty oh, Joy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what does that song mean to you? Oh, it's an old classic. I've known it for years. The old man, he was a keen Slim Dusty uh, listener. So, um, yeah, it would have been one of the first songs I learned to play. But, yeah, a classic song and it's kind of funny going back that my first song I played at Mike was an old Slim Dusty song. So, And uh, I recorded on the EP, actually, um, an old classic of Slim Dusty written by Stan Costa, uh, Battle with the Rhone, which would be on the EP, mm-hmm. which uh, was it was a song that I wanted to put on there because I love the song. It's a classic old ballad. But it's uh, more just the respect to Slim Dusty that he was the original pioneer of the country music in Australia. So, yeah, it was good to start start singing his songs at my first gig, oh, first open mic and my first EP too. Yeah. So you mentioned your dad's a Slim Dusty fan. Does that mean you grew up surrounded by Slim Dusty music? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Slim Dusty mum was all into Barbara Streisand and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, he- heap of country music and... A lot, a lot of Lee Kern, again, a lot of John Williamson. <laughs> but the, it's interesting you say Barbara Streisand because Barbara is, of course, a great entertainer and oh. one can learn a lot from listening to Barbara. <laughs> yeah, my word. Uh, yeah, grew up, grew up around all that all that old classic sort of uh, music and I just uh, took, took my own direction when I got a bit older. <laughs> and what, what is that direction? So what do you listen to now? Oh, I love... Uh, Love listening to a lot of uh, Cody Johnson, Sturgill Simpson, Tyler Childers, uh, Zach Bryan, a lot of that sort of music uh, mm-hmm. where, where the songwriting, uh, their, their, their type of songwriting is direction that I look to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So apart from your parents' musical tastes to listen to, is anyone in the family an entertainer themselves or a musician? Oh, yeah, me brother. He, he's decent. Mm-hmm. I wrote the, the song Dying Bread, that's the first track on the AP. I wrote it with me brother. Ah, uh, yeah, he um, he's handy. Uh, me sister, she she can sing and play piano and all that. Mum could sing too. Dad was a bit useless, so he still is. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he just hasn't had a chance. <laughs> yeah, 
they had to be someone to listen to us all. So I guess our dad copped the short end of the straw. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, does that mean you and your brother and sister had like a little family band going at any time? Oh, if we weren't fighting, yeah. Some, oh, sometimes. Yeah, it made, made my brother do a fair bit, a fair bit of singing uh, around. He gets up at a couple gigs now and then, comes out for a bit of a churn. So, yeah. Is he older or younger? Yeah, a fair bit older, yeah. He, he, he'd be 26, 7 around there. Yeah, yeah. sister not far behind him. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so I suppose given that you are so entertaining but you're also songwriting, I'm wondering if you see yourself primarily as an entertainer or as a storyteller or both? I like, I like to, well, for a long time there I wasn't writing songs. I just, I couldn't get the, um, I didn't have much direction with songwriting, never done much of it. Um, but lately I've got a heap of songs under my belt and it's great to get um, an AP out that, uh, that I heap of co-writes and a song that I wrote myself. But I, I'd like to see myself as um, more the songwriter, entertainer, mm-hmm. uh, more of an artist, if anything. Um, yeah, but the entertaining side comes into it a lot. But, yeah, yeah, the, the songwriting bit I'm trying to focus on lately, yeah. Because your first single, This Guitar Can't Drink a Beer, was written with Travis Collins, I believe, around Academy time. So was yeah. it that junior academy that started you off songwriting? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, of course, one of the experiences doing the uh, singer-songwriter course with the academies, you get to write a song with either, oh, I think, Alan Caswell there, Travis Collins, uh, there's a few others. And, uh, yeah, I was lucky to get Travis Collins and I uh, sat down. I was useless, never wrote a decent song in my life. And, um, yeah, sat down there with Trav one night and uh, I, I just said, oh, because they I knew I had to write a song, so I should probably go in there with something, you know, something on mind. So I um, went in there and gave him, oh, you know, guitar can't drink a beer and, off he went and we both both um just started throwing ideas up and yeah coming out with that song <laughs> so that means your brother had a fairly tough act to follow when he was writing dying breed with you it's like can he measure up to travis collins as a co-writer no, no he didn't he didn't no but he had a good crack <laughs> <laughs> how did you and and your brother first start writing songs together did you just look at him and say i need i need someone to write a song with or did it just organically happen Oh, I was around the time that I started writing with Bill mm-hmm. and I had a, had a couple of verses on my phone written down and I played them to my brother and he's just like, oh, it's not too bad. Um, and then and then he started throwing ideas up and then I was like, oh, well, now you'll co-write too, which is a 50-50. And I was like, ah, oh, now you get half the credit. So, yeah, but no, he, he, he wrote half the song and uh, I wrote the first half. So, yeah, no, come up come up well so I was pretty happy with that song and the bill you mentioned is Bill Chambers who produced yeah. the EP so how did you come to work with Bill the one and only yeah my manager set me up because he knew I had to do start doing a bit of songwriting okay. and he said I'll oh, give, give me a list of ideas of people who you would like to write with and uh he, he mentioned Bill Chambers who was a classic old school country music like you, you can't get much better in him and uh oh, he rang me up one afternoon Bill did, and uh, we hit it off like that, just having a bit of old chin wag. And uh, yeah, went down, went down to his place, and um, we wrote that first song, Gypsy Soul. And after that, we just clicked, and uh, yeah, been, been good mates, and he's been a great, uh, some great guidance with songwriting, music, everything. Yeah. 
But so like the songwriting relationship is one thing, but then the producer relationship is another because there was no guarantee that actually you'd get along uh, with him in the producer's seat. So was did you approach him to do the production? Well, when uh, when we first did the, when we first wrote the first song, Gypsy Soul, uh, we did a quick demo, just mm-hmm. a rough demo of the song and liked it. And I was like, um, I had a few ideas of, um, I got, a few people gave me a few um, names of producers. I was like, nah, nah, we're going with Bill Chambers. We're going with the man. Yeah, he helped write the song. He'll produce a song too. He he um, he really understood where I was coming from, which mm-hmm. helped a lot. You know, it wasn't, uh, but by that time when we got in the studio, we know, we knew each other. We knew uh, what each other wanted um, and how to help too, which w- was easy, easy, because um, it was a fair drive. Uh, I had to pop down to the studio and record things. And, you know, I, I felt leaving it with Bill, to um mm-hmm. to do all the producing of it I, I was in safe hands there so yeah uh, me and bill got along well there yeah because it is a, a new skill set for you to learn um as an artist you know you have your live performance skills busking i think is probably a separate skill to playing a gig then to get into a studio where it, uh, it's a bit stop start i would think it's not like hey let's just play this live most of the time so did that take a bit of getting used to oh yeah yeah it, um i it was a lot. It was a lot different because we had we had five tracks we had to record, uh, and you know, as most most people, you don't have much time. We had we had the day to get in there in the main studio and lay it down, um, and yeah, it was it. It was a bit different. Like it was a it was a new environment to me that um, I'm still a bit of a rookie with the recording, um, but I had the best folks. I, I had some of the best musicians you could find. Um, and also we had uh, Jeff Jeff McCormack in there playing bass and also mixing and uh, helping produce the song too. So I had you, you couldn't have got any better any better guidance um, in the studio. But yeah, it, it was a whole different world for me. Everything's under a microscope. A bit unlike a live performance. Get up there, you start singing, you put on a show. But um, in the studio, everything mm-hmm. is under the microscope and everything. To, um, to be looked at so um especially with vocals um you know you can i found it a little bit hard um just starting out uh it's a, yeah a whole different world uh from in the studio to up on stage at a at a gig yeah yeah you're quite vulnerable in that environment i think as a vocalist yeah. because when you're singing live there can be noise around you you yeah. can hear yourself in the fold back but it's not necessarily that distinct but then you get in the studio and then Bill saying, hey, listen back to this. And for you yeah. not having done much recording before, yeah, it would be a little confronting sometimes. Yeah, it is, especially when you got uh, six people in there who are all professionals have been in the studio for 20, 30 years more and they knew what was going on. And it's it's um you, you can feel a little bit um uh not not really scared, but just a little bit nervous. Um you, you want to put your uh, best game face on and do the best you can, but um, I, I found out not to look at it like that at all because they're in there to help you. They're not there to judge or anything. They're, the boys are there to look after you. Yeah. yeah, right. Now, the most recent time I saw you play was actually last year during right. the Tamworth Country Music Festival because you walked out on stage during Troy Cassadaly's show. And uh, yeah. <laughs> before yeah. that, as Troy told us, you've been on tour with Troy and with Ian Moss. So that must have been quite an experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was good fun. We um. Uh, we were down Dubbo, Bathurst Orange, uh, just on the outskirts of Sydney there. Did some shows with them. 
it, that, that that was an experience of a lifetime doing that. Yeah, you don't get that opportunity much. So yeah. how did that? Did, did you just get a call one day? Hey, it's Troy Casadale. Want to come on tour? <laughs> yeah, I had a call. The boys, um, the boys were all keen. Um, they were heard a little bit of me stuff, and uh, that they were they were just looking for someone, and uh, they gave me a buzz. Um, and yeah, I was on the tour. Turn up, and uh, yeah, I was yeah. Yeah, I'll make time. I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh, it, it was awesome working with Troy. Troy, you, you wouldn't find a more genuine bloke than uh, Troy Cassadale. He's he's the man. And it was, it was great working with him because he'd been there, he's done it, and he had a lot of guidance uh, for a young fella like me uh, in country music. And also um, learned a lot off Ian Moss and just, just a few old chats. Uh, it was great fun. I got, got along with them both really well and the whole team, yeah. And because as, as a support actor, you know, that's not your audience, I guess, there that, you, that you're performing yeah. for. So did you feel a little nervous about how you were going to be received or did you just think this is a great opportunity, I'm going to take it? Yeah, well, it, it's, you know, Troy Castelli and Ian Moss, one's a country music, one, one's rock. Yeah. And so, so it's, it's a funny mix of crowd and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty country, so... Um, don't I do I go out there and do do a rock song? I was like, nah, nah I'll do I'll do what I do, and uh, I had some great feedback. Uh, the the crowds were awesome. Uh, the, there was a lot of um, messages and the, that we got back from doing the uh, opening up, and it was awesome. It was great to hear too that there was a lot of people supporting my type of music. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Uh, so the EP is coming out in March. Is it? Is that the release date? Well, Dying Breed comes out. Um, right. the 6th of February on digital okay. and then um, we'll drop a few more songs out as we go along but yeah on the, all the digital platforms Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Google Play yeah it'll be dropped drop 6th of Feb and then she'll keep rolling out. Fantastic and I looked on your website and saw you have a few shows coming up some with a band now you've solved the mystery as to who your guitarist is it's someone you went to the academy with who else is in your band? Uh, yeah so it, it's pretty good I got a whole band uh, from down at Tamwa I've uh, been playing with the boys uh, on drums. We've got uh, Ronnie Rindo mm-hmm. and on bass, Andrew McMahon. And uh, they're, they're a great band, um, easy to work with. And the boys just, they, they, they just want to get up there and put on a show. And uh, yeah, it's great. It's great working with them. And also having the young fella, Tom Manning, with me, um, who I started off with doing all my gigs. Uh, it's still great to get up on stage with him and know that to me, right hand side, I've got someone I can count on. And, you know, someone that's looking after everyone in the band. So yeah, uh, it's a I got 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 a crack got a cracking band. And I'm ha- happy with the boys. Yeah, my word. Do you get to rehearse very often? Oh yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard rehearsing. Um, most weekends, especially winter now, we're going um polo cross on. If we're not playing, I'll be working. Uh, so mainly our rehearsals are just gigs. Yeah, uh, we we get a lot of pub gigs and um. Yeah, we'll, we'll, they're just good run-throughs with the band. Um, yeah, we, we all know how each other plays and we all um, understand each other, so it's easy. But, yeah, before um, before the festival there, we did have a did have a big solid rehearsal to get everything um, uh, tip-top shape, yeah. So you just mentioned you play polo cross. Uh, I, I, eternally, I find it an eternal mystery that anyone uh-huh. could ride a horse and also wield something in their hand while they're doing so. Have you been riding since you were little? Yeah, yeah, I've been riding since I was a pup, and uh, yeah, still still play a bit of polo cross here. Uh, when, when I'm not when I'm not doing music, yeah. playing polo cross. 
Yeah, especially in these winter months. Uh, I think you must sleep well at night, Charlie, because your days sound packed and your nights. <laughs> yeah, yeah she, she's flat out. Uh, got um got a big gig soon at um the Swan Cup, which is a big horse sale and uh, incentive games. And uh, also playing on the Saturday night at the bar there. So from uh, juggling and playing and organising the band, it's, it's a big show. Yeah, it'll be well, great. And a bit of driving because you were going to Inverell and and some other places. Um, and, you know, necessarily when you're going around country towns, it involves a bit of driving. When As you're rolling out these songs to come, are you planning to add some more shows? Oh, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. These shows um, shows coming up that uh, will be released soon. Uh, the year should be fairly busy um, with some great shows. We've got some pretty busy at the end of this month. We've got the Oberon Rodeo and then next month we've got the Bularama. Uh, we've got some great, great shows that are coming up with the band that um, we can get out there and start um, putting this this EP out and, um, yeah, throwing it out. Did you say Bularama? Yeah, we've got a Bularama there. So is, I'm not that, is that a version of a rodeo? Yeah, yeah, it's just a big rodeo. Yeah, yeah, just um, extreme bulls and bronx and, yeah. It must be a challenge, but also a great, like a great challenge to entertain a crowd at a rodeo, I think, because it would probably get quite rowdy by the time you're on stage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a funny crowd. It's a good crowd. And they, um, they, they just want to listen to country music and have a, have a big night. I always wonder, I'm still trying to convince me manager to have a let me go on um, the novice bronc, but he won't let me. It would probably be a bit of a rough gig turning up to sing and jumping on a bronc and getting busted and then having to call it off. So, yeah, maybe it's a smart decision. <laughs> well, I guess also you've got to think about, you know, your hands. If you broke if you break anything, you can't play guitar. So She'll be right. She'll be right. Yeah. Don't know your guitar. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Charlie, people can keep an eye on your website for shows and you have Dying Breed coming out, which is a fantastic song, and I'm very much looking forward to hearing the rest of them and it was great to talk to you. No, same goes, so it'd be appreciated. It's been great. See ya. No, see ya. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.